Tonight is a simple message, and it's simply entitled, Jesus or Barabbas. Jesus or Barabbas. Let's just read a few verses, and then we'll look at the chapter. chapter Matthew chapter 27, from verse 15. Now, at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. And when he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have I nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. And the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for all you've brought out this warm evening, this summer holiday season. We pray, O God, that you would now help us, Father, to understand and to take in the enormity of what has happened in this place in Pilate's judgment hall. We ask you, Father, that you would make things real and alive to our hearts by your Spirit, and that your Spirit would help us to exalt and to lift up and to magnify the Son of God. We ask you, Father, that you would help a man of clay lips and frailty, and Lord, that you would anoint me with fresh oil to be able to rightly divide the word of truth and to Lord, proclaim Christ to this people and to all who are watching live or later. We pray, O God, that, Lord, that your word would go forth and have free course, for in here your word is not bound. We pray, O God, that you would take it, Father, and do with it what you will. Thou alone art God, and we worship you. We love your Son, and we need your Spirit. So move in our midst and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask it. For his name's sake we pray. Amen. Pontius Pilate places before the Jews in Jerusalem a choice. Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ. Barabbas or Jesus. Barabbas, his name means son of a father. For example, the name Barabbas, Bar means son of, and Abbas means father, son of a father. And many scholars think the reason that the Lord Jesus is called Jesus the Christ or the anointed one is to separate him completely off when Pilate is speaking because it is believed that Barabbas, his first name was also Jesus. So his name was Jesus Barabbas, Jesus, son of a father. And then we had Jesus Christ, the son of the father. Such a difference. One is a man of flesh, a man whose lineage comes from Adam right through to the very sin nature of Adam in Barabbas. The other is birthed by God, And his father is the God of heaven. And so one is birthed through the the matrix of the womb by the father in heaven. And the other is birthed through the matrix of the womb by his father before him, 
that is Barabbas. Barabbas is even a type, a picture of the sinner tonight. The type of you and I in our flesh, and even a type of you and I before we came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our own Lord and personal Savior. Barabbas, son of a father. Jesus, which is called Christ, is the son of the Father. Notice here, Psalm 51 and verse 5, the psalmist says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Notice, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. That is the genealogical lineage of every single human being, every single one of us tonight that through our parents' genes and our grandparents and our great-grandparents, going back all the generations to Adam, to Father Adam, Adam's race, were fallen, are depraved, and they are sinful in their nature. Notice here, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. What a contrast it is with Barabbas being shapen in iniquity and in sin, was he also conceived to the Lord Jesus Christ, who the angel says unto his mother, the young virgin Mary, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. The angel says to her as she is expecting, that holy thing which is born of thee shall be called the Son of God. What a difference. That holy thing, that little baby in your womb, the one you're carrying, Mary, that will be called the Son of God. What a difference between Barabbas and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hence, Pilate brings them both out before a Jewish crowd there at the feast of Passover, and one was to be released as a goodwill gesture. And so which one will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas, or Jesus, which is called Christ. My friend, tonight, maybe you're not saved tonight. I want you to think about this. Who would you have released to you? Which one would you have released unto you? Because we see here, it's easy for us with hindsight to see, well, he is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He is not born of, of humanity in the sense where he's born of a father, an earthly father, but rather he's birthed of God. And we can see it so easily looking back at the scriptures and, and reading it, and we would say, well, release unto us Jesus. Release him to us. And do away, crucify Barabbas, because he deserves it. Be not too hasty to answer, because we all chose Barabbas in our past. We all called for the Barabbas and the Christ, maybe not to be crucified in the sense, but rather to be crucified in this sense, to be taken out of the way, to be taken out of our sight, that we wanted to live according to the world until the Holy Ghost laid hold on us. And until he shook us up and woke us up and drew us to behold the beautiful spotless Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Barabbas was the guilty one. He was the unjust. Jesus was the innocent. He was the just one. In fact, twice in our reading, Pilate's wife, Mrs. Pilate, comes and says, have nothing to do with that just man. Pilate, before the Jews, he calls him a just man. Christ was the just one and Barabbas the unjust. Just as though you and I are like the Barabbas in our nature, unjust before God, the man and the woman who are not right with God, the man and the woman who are not saved, who are not blood-washed and blood-bought and born again of the Spirit, that man and that woman are unjust before God and in the state, as it were, as Barabbas was before Christ. I want to look through the character of Barabbas and then I want to look through the character of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, Peter writes, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Notice once suffered. He doesn't suffer every week around a breaking of bread table. That is bread and the cup represents his blood, his body and his blood. He does not re-suffer nor pay the debt again and over. He suffered once, once and for all. He doesn't suffer every time there is a mass in a chapel. He doesn't suffer every time someone has communion service. Christ has suffered once on the cross, once and for all time, and will never suffer again, for he has already paid our debt of sin. Notice, for Christ has, hath once suffered for sins. Notice what Peter calls him, the just for the unjust. And why did he suffer? That he might bring us that Christ alone might bring us unto God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, or in the Spirit. Barabbas was unjust, and the Lord Jesus was the just. Barabbas was a a lawbreaker. He broke the law of God. We're going to look at it. He broke the law of God, and Christ kept the law of God, kept it in its fullness and in its totality. For example, in Mark 15 and in verse 7, it speaks of Barabbas, Mark's account. Mark 15, and it says of Barabbas, who committed murder in the insurrection. Barabbas committed murder in the insurrection. Barabbas broke the law of God. He committed murder in the insurrection. For example, in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 13, it says, and it is the sixth commandment, it says, thou shalt not kill. The sixth commandment, strange or is it that the sixth commandment and six is the number of man. Thou shalt not kill, or if you want to look at the Hebrew word, it's the word roshach, And it means thou shalt not murder innocently. Thou shalt not murder. And it gives the idea to dash in pieces. In other words, it gives the idea of a slaughter taking place. So Barabbas was a man not just who murdered a person, but went with his men, his insurrectionists, and he slaughtered people. He slaughtered many people. This is the character of Barabbas and it's the character that the Jews wanted rather than the character of Christ. Barabbas was a murderer. He had broken the law of God. The word murder in Mark 15 and 7 is the word phonos and it means exactly the same. Barabbas was a slaughterer. He slaughtered people, forget and forget. So he broke the law of God and maybe all of us or maybe most of us could say, well, I have never actually murdered anyone. But Jesus says, if you look and have a a hatred in your heart and look with a murderous heart to a brother or a sister, he says, you've already committed murder in your heart. So all of us were murderers at heart every time we have maybe hated someone We've committed the murder. And hence we are as guilty before God. Here's what the Lord was saying. If a man or a woman looks at someone with lust in their hearts, it's it's adultery. In other words, he's saying everyone is an adulterer at some point. And in some place they're adulterers. And what he's really doing, he's saying, look at the law, the the moral commandments of, of God. He says, you are actually Worse, you're deeper died in sin than you even believe or realize you are yourself. Even our thoughts, our very heart before God is worse than we think we are. Barabbas was worse than most people think 
they are. It means here the word phonos to slaughter or to dash in pieces. Remember Cain killed Abel, Genesis 4. He brings him into the field and says he, he kills his brother. You don't know how he kills his brother. Was it with a large rock and he dashed them to pieces? Was it with a, 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 a branch of a tree and he bashed them and dashed them to pieces? This is referring back to that very moment in the garden where Adam and Eve would fall and then the first murder recorded would take place with Cain killing Abel. And the Lord says, listen, thou shalt not kill. Don't dash in pieces nor slaughter one another. And yet it happens in the hearts of many Christians week after week, day after day, with even hatred in their heart. Barabbas is a type of every man and woman. Secondly, in John 18 and verse 40, it tells us that Barabbas was a robber. A robber. This is the eighth commandment that Barabbas had broken. The word robber is the word listis, listis. And it's very different from the, there's a Greek word called kleptes. And kleptes is where we would get the, the word kleptomaniac from, someone who cannot help themselves but lifts something that isn't theirs. Sneakily, here and there, they lift stuff. Stealing it, sneakily. But the word less taste is completely opposite to it. Less taste gives the, the idea of one who plunders openly. Now take note of this. One who plunders openly and does so by violence. Barabbas robbed or less taste. He went openly. He would have charged in. He would have ransacked a place. He maybe would have caught someone unawares. He would have beaten them and he would have bashed them, battered them and bruised them, open-faced, openly. And he done it through violence. This is the man that Pilate's saying, surely they're going to want to get rid of this man. And he'd done it openly without a shamed face. And, and the thing about it is this word is also used in Luke 10 and verse 30 about the man who was going down the road to Jericho. And there on that road, he fell, it says, among thieves. The word thieves is the word for robber. The word thieves and robber is less taste. They came, they beat him, and it says they left him half dead. And they robbed his clothes. They took everything off him. This was the type of man that Barabbas was. This man whose name means son of a father. Lord Jesus in Matthew 26 and in verse 55 is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this night of our reading, the night of his betrayal and his arrest, and they come out to him and some people tend to think that this praetorium guard comes out and there's maybe a half a dozen of them with little torches and saying, come with us now, Jesus. It is said there was up to 600 soldiers came. Up to 600 would have surrounded the place. And hence, they come to arrest the Savior. And this is what he says to them. Are you come out against a thief with swords and staves? You know why he used the word listis? Are you coming to do violence against me? Because am I a violent man? Have I been violent to those in Jerusalem? Have I been violent to those around the countryside? And you're coming to me with your swords and your staves and all the hundreds of men to gather around me? And he uses the same word. Christ openly healed the sick. He openly cast out the devils. He openly, before men and before women, before multitudes, fed them with five-body loaves and two small fish. And he, he done miracle after miracle and blessing and goodness to them. That's what he did openly. But a man like Barabbas is a man like I was and you were, where we were sinners, deep died in sin and the depraved human nature. 
And Jesus says, are you come out as against a thief with swords and staves? And sure, couldn't he say it to many a person tonight? Couldn't he say it to many a Christ-rejector this evening? Those who hate the name of Jesus, who reject the love of Christ, and he could say to them, because there are those who are vehemently and aggressively against him. And he would be rightly to say, as though they were like, these men coming out with swords and staves, are you coming out because of your hatred of me? Your hatred in your heart of me? Barabbas was a robber. Barabbas was one who plundered and done so through violence. Here's the strange thing about it. In the night of our reading, before Barabbas is brought out, Barabbas, Barabbas is believed to have been in the, the Antonio Castle. It would have been outside the city. It would have been up the, uh, at the far end. He wouldn't have heard a lot of what was going on. And can you imagine him sitting in his prison cell? Now here's a thought, and it's only a thought, and some scholars have said they think it could be true, but I don't know. But here's the thought. There were three crosses that were already being made. Three of them. And Jesus is crucified between two thieves. Again, the word thieves is less taste. Those who were violent criminals. Those who were violent robbers. And was it that the third cross in the eyes of man was for Barabbas? And Barabbas is in a prison cell waiting on his fate that night. What about when someone comes, a guard, to open the door? Barabbas! Calls his name. Barabbas! Step forth, Barabbas. Barabbas must have been thinking to himself. Well, here I'm called for now. My, 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 my fate has been sealed and I will now go to this cross. But he says, Barabbas, the people are calling to release you. To release me after all I've done. To release me after the person that I am. To release me. To release you. Why? How can this be? Because there was a man and he took your place. This man took your place, Barabbas. And I can tell you for every one of us that are saved by grace, he came and he took our place. There was a man who came and he took our place. So Barabbas, what sort of a man was he? He was a robber. He was violent. He was a murderer. He slaughtered people. Whom will ye that I release unto you? Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? The one who's loved you. So who would you have released unto you? Second Corinthians chapter 5 I want to look at the person of Christ now in contradistinction to Barabbas in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. It says of the Lord Jesus that the Father, he made him to be sin for us. <laughs> he made him to be sin for us. Notice who knew no sin. You can underline that, knew no sin. Jesus didn't even know sin. At once, who knew no sin. Listen, that we, that is you and I who are in our nature, depraved like Barabbas. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know what? I've got a lot of problems and I've got a lot of faults in myself, you know. I've, I've got a lot of failures and, you know, um, I'm either liked and loved or loathed or whatever. I don't know. All of those things rolled into one. I've, I've got my warts and all. But I can tell you this, because I'm in Christ, because I'm washed in the blood, because he took my place, 
when the father looks at me, the devil may point and say, look at him, look at him, look at him. But the father looks at me, he looks through the medium of his son at me and he looks and he says, what sin? I see no sin. I have tonight the righteousness of God in me because of Jesus. And so do you, brothers and sisters. Failures, faults, warts and all. He made him to be sin for us. Notice, here's his character who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The great transaction is that he takes my sin and I put on his righteousness. Listen to John chapter 8 and verse 46. The Lord Jesus says, which of you convinceth me of sin? Which of you convinceth me of sin? I want to look at this word convinceth. It's a word elencho. And this is what it means. To put a convicted person to shame of their sin. To put a convicted person of shame of their sin. It's like Christ, every one of us could look at us and say, you know, see you. Here's who you are. This is what you've thought, you've said, you've done. This is your very nature. You were, you were conceived in sin. Even in the womb, you're a little sinner. And Jesus would have every right in his holiness to say, this is who you are. And Jesus could convince us of our sin because we are convicted and we would be ashamed to stand before him. Now Jesus says, which of you convinceth me of sin? Do you know what he's saying? Which one of you thinks that I've sinned? Prove it. Show me it. And we're going to look for a moment at how when we take the magnifying glass of Scripture and with the light of the Holy Ghost upon it that we, we will see that there was no sin in Him. No sin in Christ. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, speaking of our Lord who's ascended and glorified at the right hand of the Father, here in Hebrews 4 and verse 15, it says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Listen, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Yet without sin. In other words, the Lord Jesus himself, he knows what you go through. He was a human being. He was a man of very man. Very God of very God, but he was a man of very man. Flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. And here in his high priestly ministry in the heavens, the man in the glory who's praying for us, for we have not an high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. In other words, he knows everything we feel. He knows our problems. He knows what we go through. He knows our human frame. And he knows what it's like because he was a human. He was tired. He got weary. He was thirsty. He cried on the cross, I thirst, yet he's, he's the fountain of living waters as to his deity. He was hungry and went to a fig tree and found no fruit thereon, yet he's the bread of life. And here, he says he was in all points tempted. Oh, he was tempted of the devil 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. He was tempted off the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and the Herodians. He was tempted to sin. He was tempted to get into uh, legalism and arguments that, that they were trying to draw some sort of bad thoughts out of him, bad word out of him. But they could never draw anything out of him because within him was purity. He was tempted yet without sin. So in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he knew no sin. Here he is yet without sin. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 22 says of the Lord Jesus Christ that he did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Notice, who did no sin? 
and there's no guile found in his mouth. And what it's really saying in a nutshell is here, he didn't sin by word, deed, or action. There's nothing come out of his mouth that he could be caught out on. No action of Christ. He could be found a sinner who did no sin. Underline it. Yet without sin, Hebrews 4 and 15, knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, who did no sin, 1 Peter 2, 22. Hebrews 7 and verse 26 tells us of the Lord, he's holy, he's harmless, he's undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. Here's the thing. The word holy here, H-O-L-Y, would you say Holy. Would you say it again? There's something about it, isn't there? Especially around the person of Christ, there's something about it. The word holy, generally, when we look at it in the scripture, most times would be the word hagios. So a church building or this tent has become holy because it means it's set apart for God's use. When you and I are saved, we are holy. We are set apart for God when we're saved. But the word here that the Lord Jesus is holy, as in Hebrews 7 and 26, it's a word, husios. It's not hagios. And it means to be undefiled by sin, to be completely free from any wickedness, and to be righteously right. That the Lord Jesus is undefiled by sin. You see, We talk about the Lord Jesus being the spotless, sinless Lamb of God, and he is. But he's also the impeccable Son of God. The impeccable Son. What's the difference between his impeccability and his spotlessness? What's the difference? When we look at him, he is pure and holy. He's spotless. But within him, he's God. And it means he couldn't sin. He couldn't sin, but he felt every temptation of the sin in his flesh yet remained spotless. His impeccability is because he is almightiness clothed in humanity, because he's the son of the living God, that he is impeccable to his deity. And he's spotless in his humanity. That's the Christ we serve. That's the Lord Jesus we love. That's the one who bled and died and saved us. This is the one standing in opposite position to Barabbas. And who am I that I release unto you? Barabbas or Jesus was is called Christ. The hagios means a personal holiness. You're holy before God. But the hoseos means a state of separation before God. He kept in a state of separation. Even though he was among sinners, he kept in a state of separation before his father. He's harmless, holy, and he's harmless. And the word harmless is the word akakos. Listen to this. Akakos means without guile, no fraud in him. No fraud. And if you get the word, the Greek word kakos means evil. It means evil. It gives evil in every abstract form. Just everything evil is kakos. But when you take the prefixed, what's known as the prefixed alpha, the first letter of the Greek New Testament, and you take the alpha before kakos, It's achakos, from kakos to achakos. And it turns it right around. And as evil as humanity and Barabbas were, as evil as our human nature can be in its depravity and its sinfulness, so Christ with the Alpha, as it were, affixed. The Alpha speaks of the Father, speaks of him being God in flesh, He is achakos, which means he is completely pure and there's no evil in him. What a difference. 
between Barabbas and Jesus. And moving quickly, he's undefiled. <laughs> undefiled. And the word for undefiled is the word aminatos. Listen to what it means. I thought this was tremendous. Aminatos, it means free from that by which, notice, the nature of a thing is deformed. Free from a deformity in nature or depraved nature that we all have. Christ was free from the deformity of it. Free of it. It gives the idea of a force or a figure that impairs a position. And nothing impaired the Christ. There's a root word, miano, and it means, and this is where we get the word aminatos, and it means to die with a color or to stain it. <laughs> to die with a color or to stain it. Now, for my sins, I'm not well schooled around the washing machine or, or the cooker or, or the or the hoover <laughs> or the kitchen <laughs> except to go in and get my dinner. But even I know that if you put a pair of red socks in with the whites, there's a good chance the dye's going to run and it will stain that beautiful white garment. It will stain it a pink or a red color. And I know, and this is the idea of this, that in our sin from Adam, we were stained, deep dyed with sin. But Christ had no stain. No sin. No impurity. He was not, nothing in him that was deformed in his nature, like you and I with Adam's. He was not contaminated. He was not polluted. He was pure. He's marvelous, isn't he? He's absolutely marvelous. Well, Christ is separate from sinners. Separate in this sense that he's separate in service because he's our high priest in heaven. Separate in, in the sense that he is removed far away from this planet, as it were. He's glorified in his body and he's ascended into heaven. And that's what the Hebrew writer is saying. He's now ascended and he's separate from all of this world of sin and depravity. And the wickedness. As a man, he's in the glory praying for us. And take note of this. In Matthew 11 and 19... Or in Luke 7 and 34, Jesus is called a friend of publicans and sinners. <laughs> He's a friend of publicans and sinners. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 10, it says, He sat with sinners. In Matthew 9 and verse 11, it says, He ate with sinners. In Matthew 9 and 13, it says, He called sinners to repentance. And in Matthew 26 and verse 45, he was betrayed into the hands of sinners. Come out against me as a thief. Like the one you have to take swords and staves to run me through with or beat me with. After all, what have I done to you? What have I done but good? In Luke 15 and verse 2, they cried about our Lord, trying to defame him. That is the religious establishment. Those men with the, the brains and the pointy heads and their garments on that stand in the corners making a show of themselves as though they're holy and they knew not Christ. And this is what they said, this man receiveth sinners. Thank God he receives sinners. Romans 5 and 8, but God commendeth his love toward us. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, Paul says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Notice, he, 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 he's a friend of sinners. He sat with sinners. He ate with sinners. But he didn't partake of their sin. He called them to repentance. He received sinners. His love stood with us while we were yet sinners. And he saved sinners. He's now separate from sinners in the sense that he's entered into heaven. Listen, he's separate from sinners. But his love isn't separate from you and I. Romans 8, will you look at it? Romans 8, run into a close here. Romans 8. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for thy sakes, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's separate from sinners, but he's not separate from you. You know why? Because you're washed in the blood believer. Because you're his. Listen to what he says in John 14, verse 30. He says, the prince of this world cometh. The prince of this world, the devil, Satan. The prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. And hath nothing in me. You see, in the previous chapter in John 13, while we're in the upper room before Gethsemane and the arrest and crucifixion of the Lord, in John 13, we're told that Satan entered into the heart of Judas Iscariot. And when the Lord Jesus is in Gethsemane, when Judas was coming, he knew Satan was coming. When Judas was coming with the betrayer's kiss, he knew Satan was coming because Satan was in Judas. And he said, the prince of this world cometh, but he's nothing in me. You'll find nothing in me. I can say, even now as a believer, he could find something in me. He could find plenty in some of us. Plenty to point the finger at. Plenty to accuse us of, the accuser of the brethren. But when he comes to Christ, he finds nothing in him. That's why you need the righteousness of Christ because you stand before your Father in heaven. He sees you holy. He sees you pure. He sees you washed. He sees you cleansed. He sees his Son. So, Barabbas is guilty. Jesus is innocent. Barabbas is a lawbreaker. Jesus is the law keeper. Which is it? Is it Barabbas the seditionist or Jesus the savior? Is it Barabbas the murderer or Jesus the Messiah? Barabbas the robber or Jesus the redeemer? Barabbas son of a father or Jesus the father's only begotten son? Let me close this with this thought in our reading, please, in Matthew 27. You know, you can hear a pin drop in here. See, the Holy Spirit demands reverence over his son. The Holy Ghost, his chief office, is to glorify the Christ to lift up and magnify the Son of God. Listen, I'm a Pentecostal through and through. Don't get me wrong. Pentecostal to the core. Cut me in a Pentecostal. 
And I've been in meetings. I understand. And maybe I've even said it at times myself. Oh, I'm a, you know, spiritful person, spiritful person, spirit. Listen, and I understand. Yes, spiritful. Yes, okay, okay. But what about being a Christ-enamored person? What about being a Christ-enamored person, a Jesus-loving person? Because if the Holy Ghost is in you, and if the Holy Spirit is in me, and if the Holy Ghost is in our midst, he will exalt and lift up the Son of God. For Jesus, he will take the things of me and show them unto you. If you go to a meeting and there's no Jesus, it's not a meeting. If you go to a meeting and there's no preaching, it's not a meeting. It's a social time. In Matthew 27 and verse 20, the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas. Notice the language here. And destroy Jesus. Imagine that. It's purity. It's loveliness. Destroy him. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know how many times I've read that this last couple of days. Destroy him. I can't get it around my head to destroy him. People in our society want to destroy Jesus. Get him out of the way. Get him out of the road. They don't want to listen about him. Destroy him from men's minds and hearts. But what they don't realize is when someone belongs to Christ and they're, a, they're saved by the grace of God through faith in him alone, he lives in us. He lives in you. See the word persuaded? It's a word pytho. P-Y-T-H-O in our English rendering. And it's where we get the word python from. Serpent. Serpent. Hey, listen. Shout for Barabbas. He's one of us. Shout for Barabbas. He's like you. And he's like me. And you shout for Barabbas because, you know, he'll do us a better deal. But make sure you shout destroy Jesus make sure he gets off the scene the devil's a bad devil but Christ is a good God Pilate says whom will ye I release unto you Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ in verse 17, verse 21. Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas, verse 22, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they all say unto him, let him be crucified. Notice the language of Pilate. Why? Pilate knows he's just. His wife knew he was just. And now he's saying, why? In fact, when they beat him, when they take Jesus in and they beat him and they mock him and they batter him and he brings him out and he says, behold the man. And the crowd, the multitude are looking at Jesus, this battered and bruised figure, the, the blood pouring from him, injuries all over his body, his face knocked out of shape almost. His physique was marred more than any man, the scripture says. And when he brings him out, Everybody thinks it's, well, look at him. Look, behold him on now. That's not the way it reads in the original text. Here's the way it reads. He comes out with them and he brings Jesus to the very front and he says, behold the man. That's the way it reads. Look at him. Has he not had enough? Have we not done enough for you? That was Pilate. That's what he said. Behold him. Oh, and the heartless, pathetic, python, tongue Jews, right? They roused it up as though there would be a riot. 
That's the idea of this. It's like you see those cities and there's rats in the town. That's the way Jerusalem was. Filled with thousands of them. Ready to turn their world upside down. To wreck Jerusalem. Crucify him. Away with him. That's the idea of it. Pilate says, why? What evil hath he done? Prove his guilt. And they started to make up stories and lies to defame the Christ of God. But they cried out the more. Let him be crucified. The idea is they were going, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate starts to wash his hands with a basin of water. It was a ritual then. And the Jews done it, you see. He's washing the basin of water. I'm not guilty of the blood of this man. Pilate, listen. Listen, Pilate, you had your responsibility, Pilate. You had your responsibility, Pilate. And you, as the governor in Judea, could have said, this man will not be crucified. But you had your responsibility and you shirked it and you gave him over. You're guilty too, Pilate. And they cried, His blood be on us and on our children. Oh, brother, sister, friend, be careful. Be careful when it comes around the Son of God. Be careful what you, how you handle Him. Be careful how you speak of him. Be careful how you cry things out against him. Be so careful not to reject him nor delay your presence calling for him. Be careful because they cried, his blood be on us and on our children. Listen, the blood of Christ will either cleanse you or condemn you. The blood of Christ will either cleanse you or condemn you. think and I see cattle carts the Nazis loading them on the trains scattered to four winds of the earth and having no place to put their foot to call their own I think of it our children it means generations after generations were cursed by the blood of Christ because of the rejection of Christ Still a friend of sinners, you know. Thou art the sinner's friend. 